0: This is where we begin our new message series called Mismatch, Mismatch. This is a new series, so if this is your first Sunday with us, you're here on a great day. What we're going to see this week and over the next couple weeks is that following Jesus often demands the opposite of obvious. Following Jesus often demands the opposite of obvious. The way Jesus teaches and challenges his followers To act and react in everyday situations is often so different, even opposite of how others would act and react in the same situation. So I'm going to invite you, if you have brought your word with you today, and I hope you have, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This would be one of the three chapters that cover the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna see, we're gonna look at one way Jesus challenges his followers to act and react, the opposite of obvious. And today, I want to give you a takeaway. I wanna give you a takeaway, an action step that if you put this into practice, you will be a happier person. You will be a happier person. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter five, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. This is right out of the Old Testament. This is a phrase that every Jewish person would have known and been taught to live out. What we know about people then and people now is that there can be a desire to put limitations on who our neighbor is. We see this in the the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, the parable of the Good Samaritan began with the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus answers the question, who is my neighbor, with a parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan is the hero of the story. The, The Samaritan people group was despised by most Jewish people. The view of the religious was that God had excused them from serving or showing compassion to people who were racially different or who had different religious beliefs, so to make the Samaritan the hero was confrontational, it was challenging, and uh, actually also established that we are not excused as followers of Christ from loving anyone. So Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So love your neighbor, that is in the Old Testament. Love your neighbor is in the Old Testament. Hate your enemy? That's not. God never said thou shall hate your enemies. There's no commandment or directive in the Old Testament to hate your enemy. But there are passages that over time came to mean that it was permitted, accepted, even encouraged to be hostile to hate enemies in certain situations hate your enemy. In most circles then and now, it's considered appropriate, maybe even accepted or encouraged, to hate your enemy. We hear that word enemy. Maybe you've come in here today and you think, wow, I don't have any enemies. I have no enemies. Well, if we pick apart the word enemy a bit, look into what the word actually means, enemy means any relationship where there is active hostility or hate. An enemy, an enemy can be a person or people who oppose your opinions, your values, your morals, or your beliefs. An enemy can be a person or group blocking what you want to accomplish. An enemy can be someone who takes advantage of your trust and hurts you. An enemy can be a person or group that left you out when you thought for sure you would be included. Our word enemy comes from the Latin, a Latin word originating more than a 1,000 years. And the actual literal translation of our word enemy from Latin is actually the word unfriend. You thought unfriend was a new thing. Unfriend 1,000 years ago. That's where we get our word enemy. That's what we do to our enemies though today on Facebook. You're my enemy. I'm unfriending you. Here's a word that sounds like enemy, and the word is this, enmity, enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. It's kind of hard to say, enmity. Enmity means active and typically mutual hatred. Wow, that sounds like a relationship that I wanna be in. Enmity is a hatred that can be out in the open. Everybody knows how much you hate that person or people group. Or you could hold it inside, which is perhaps more destructive. It's possible that there is another person out there, or a group, and they have no idea how much hatred is deep-seated inside of you toward them. Enmity, hatred, whether it's concealed or out in the open. No one is saying, you know what, I need more of that in my life. I will be more filled with joy if I can have more enemies. Do you bring feelings of hate? of enmity, of hostility about anyone today. Sometimes it can change rapidly. Sometimes something sets us off, and quickly, someone we care about, even we love, we become angry toward them, and this person we're supposed to love, in the moment they feel like our enemy. Maybe you're thinking about your children. You think, I believe my children love each other, but the way that they treat each other sometimes... It seems more like they're enemies. This may describe what happened in a marriage. What started off at the altar as a love commitment led to serious problems. Then the marriage collapsed and there was a divorce. And somewhere along the line, a couple that was supposed to be in love became enemies. An enemy can be Anyone who intentionally or unintentionally intimidates you, who provokes you, who antagonizes you, who offends you, who hurts you. Some of you are pretty much at peace. You came in here today thinking that you had no enemies, but thanks to the description that I've given you, now you have lots of enemies. You're thinking about all the enemies that you have in your life, so you're welcome. You're thinking about that brother or sister that you fight with. You're thinking about the parent or teacher who never took your goals or dreams seriously. You're thinking about the coworker who catches every, every break while you seem to always be overlooked. You're thinking about that politician who stands for everything who you are against. Now we've got some enemies. So Jesus, speaking to the crowd, says, you've heard it said, hate your enemies. And the crowd, if they were to respond in the moment, they would say, yes, we've heard that. That feels right. That seems like the right response hate your enemies obviously now here's where jesus challenges us to do the opposite of obvious verse 44 into verse 45 but i say to you jesus says but i say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven (laughs) love who love who Love those who are hostile toward you. Love those who you feel hostility toward. The person you can't stand, love them. The person who bullies you, love them. That person who stands for everything you are against, love them. And, and, there's more. If that wasn't enough, Jesus gives us an and. And, there's more, Jesus says. And, pray for those who persecute you. The people on the mountainside, they may have paused for a moment and said, wait, persecution? Um, that's not what I signed up for when I started to follow you, Jesus. Jesus is preparing his followers for what was going to come as a result of being his followers. Persecution. Persecution is when a person or people act out in hate against you because of your faith. Some say this is the worst kind of enemy, the worst kind of enemy, someone who would want to hurt you or even kill you because you are a follower of Jesus. And Jesus, he challenges us and he says, I want you to pray for those people. It's difficult to hate a person you're praying for. It's difficult to hate a person you're praying for. When Jesus challenges us to love our enemies, He uses the word agape for love. Agape is almost always used to describe the love that is of and from God. Agape love is about commitment. It's about faithfulness. It's about forgiveness. It's about loving people the way that God loves us, which, as we even said last week, often means loving people who don't love us in return. Do you know that you have never met someone who God does not love? Wow. You and I, we've never met somebody who God does not love. How do we know this? I'm not just coming up with this off the top of my head. That's not why you came here. This actually comes right out of God's word, Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God shows his love for everybody. You and I may be thinking about, maybe we haven't actually used the word enemy, but as we've broken down the definition of enemy, you and I may be thinking about an enemy in our life, and you may never say it out loud, but deep down inside you would say, I hate them. God loves that person. Christ actually died for that person. Our sin, it puts us at odds with God, and today may be the day that you want to reconcile your relationship with your Heavenly Father. If that's you and you're ready today, you can pray, Father, I turn from my sin, I repent, I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We are challenged to show love for all because God shows love for all. Let me show you this. Jesus says this, it's this very next thing he says, verse 45, for God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Jesus gives us an example of how God shows love for people who hate him. The sun rises on them, God waters the fields of those who do not love him. Jesus uses a farming example, but this is not agricultural advice. Jesus uses a farming example that even even if we're a farmer, we we, we understand it. We do understand this. We get the concept. Jesus is not talking about the damage that the sun and rain can do. This is about the good that comes from the cycle of sun and rain that produces a harvest. God gives that to both those who are with him and those who are against him. God loves the person who you may hate. You may be thinking about a situation where someone has caused you deep hurt. They have caused you deep pain. And so you are wondering is it possible that there is someone who's done something so wicked that God would just give me a pass to not love that person? 99.9% Of the people out there, I'm on board with, but there's one person out there, because of what they've done, I really would love for God to give me a pass to not love them. When Jesus tells us, love your enemies, pray for even the worst kind of enemy, those who persecute, he's telling us, there is no one we are excused from loving. If you're struggling with this, you're not alone. Old Testament prophets, they frequently ask the question, why is it that wicked people seem to prosper? And here's what Jesus says, verses 46 and 47, for if you love those who love you, if you love those who love you back, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Love others who love you? Obvious. Everybody does that. What about those who don't love you back? Well, God showed his love for us by loving us while we were still sinners. Sin is what is against God. God loves people who are caught up in sin so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. God loves people who neglect him. God loves people who reject him. God loves people who use his name in vain. God even loves people who are terrible to followers of Christ. And so if that's how God loves, if that's how God loves, if that's how our Heavenly Father expresses love, we are are challenged to love others the same way. To love a person who is your enemy is to love the way that God loves. Jesus died for people who were and who are living as enemies of God. So it's possible today that you agree with the principle of loving your enemy. Maybe you've heard this from the time you were little growing up in Sunday school. It could be brand new, and that's okay too. But perhaps there's a person or people who have done things to you that are abusive, that are violent, that are vindictive, that are manipulative, and you would say because of what they've done, it feels like it will be impossible to ever love them. need I need you to hear this okay love does not require you to invite them back into an active relationship with you love does not require them to give you to love does not require you to give them access to your heart if they have violated that trust love doesn't mean that you have to let them use your stuff love does not mean that you condone accept or approve destructive behavior So the question is then what does love require? What does love require? Let's go back to what Jesus said. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's an action step, pray, pray. To pray for someone is an act of love. To pray for your enemy is an act of love by praying for your enemy you are expressing love for them prayer is an act of love because you are giving a portion of one of your finite resources your time you are giving a portion of your finite resource of your time to speak to your heavenly father on their behalf prayer for your enemies it's healthy for your soul Maybe you've been trying to do this on your own and you're not supposed to do this on your own. Prayer is an act of love that requires contact with God. Prayer is an act of love that requires you to have contact with your Heavenly Father, but it does not require you to have contact with someone who it may not be healthy for you to be in contact with them right now. Or ever. So the decision may be today, I'm going to... Love the person, I'm gonna love the enemy in my life by praying for them. And that's as far as it's gonna go, at least for now. I'd also want you to hear this today. We love babies, we love babies. Mom, dad, we love you. We love you, we're for you, we've all been there. Just, God bless kids. Jesus loves the sound of children. We do, too. Um, Okay. Prayer is not a secondary act of love. Prayer is not a secondary act of love. Like, um, I love you, so that means I have to do this for you. I'm going to include you here. I'm going to bring you into this, and maybe I'll also pray for you. Like, Like, prayer is somewhere down the list in how we can express love. No, prayer is primary. Prayer is a primary, top of the list act of love for somebody. To pray for your enemy is to pursue God for their good. There is nothing better that can happen in their life than for them to receive Jesus as savior and for them to become more like Jesus every day. So here's a sample. Father, I pray for this person who's become an enemy. I pray for their good. I pray that they will become more like Christ. If they're not a follower of Christ, Father, bring this person to a place of repentance and salvation. Father, expose in their heart any attitude or behavior that is destructive. That's a prayer for your enemy. A prayer for your enemy. It's not condoning what they did. It's a prayer for their good. I said I want to give you a takeaway that if you put this into practice, you'll be a happier person. Would anybody be interested in leaving this place a happier person? Here it is. Make a choice to not fuel the hostility in a relationship. Make a choice to starve relationships of hostility. Starve is to deprive of nourishment. As I was preparing this week's message, I actually had you in mind knowing that we would be talking about this at just about lunchtime. So you would be thinking, you're not starving. You might be hungry, you're not starving. This is a decision you can make to starve a relationship of hostility. This is under your control. You can pray for someone, but you can't change them. God can change them. They can make a decision to change, but you can pray for them. Some of us wish we could change another person. Some of us have tried. We can't change them, but we can pray for them. Prayer is the path to starve a relationship of hostility and hate. Praying for an enemy is a decision that your enemy is not gonna ruin your day. You know what's associated with enmity, hostility. What happens? You get angry, you start thinking about revenge, maybe inflicting some kind of suffering or wishing failure. As you start thinking about your enemy, what they've done, and this can happen like your whole day is going well and all of a sudden a a, a thought pops into your mind and, and you're completely distracted, you get angry, your blood pressure picks up, your heart rate increases, your muscles become tense, you can't focus on anything else. That's the moment. That's the moment where we have a choice to settle into hours, days, months, years of hostility, enmity, hate, or or we can choose to pray. Prayer is ultimately the cure for hostility and hate toward an enemy. And maybe, maybe, possibly, perhaps, if you were to pray for your enemy, maybe someday that person won't be your enemy anymore. As we're talking about this, you may be thinking about people who feel like an enemy today. And you're thinking about what that specifically means to starve a relationship of hostility, at least your end, making the decision that if there's going to be hostility between this us, it's not coming from my end. I'm going to breathe through the power of prayer, mercy, forgiveness, and restoration into this. Maybe, maybe this will help. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us what we know as the golden rule. The golden rule. There are people who know this, and they don't even know that it's from the Bible. The golden rule, perhaps you memorized the King James version. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others as you would want them to treat you. So knowing that this is something that Jesus taught, while you're thinking about how you might feel towards someone you would describe as your enemy today, how to proceed like Christ, I want you to consider that it may be possible that there's someone who's out there and they think of you or me as their enemy now i know you're i know how what quality people you are it's highly unlikely but it's possible that someone thinks of you or i as their enemy And there are some of us who would say, if we were honest that there are actually some people, there's a person out there, and we, because of something we've said, because of something we've done, we've actually given them good reason for them to consider us to be their enemy. So here's why I bring this up. If there's someone, if there is someone out there who would look at you and say, I think that you're my enemy, what would you want them to do to you? for you how would you want a person who considers you to be an enemy to treat you and maybe this is just me if I found out that someone thinks of me as their enemy first of all it would break my heart but if that were to be the case I hope they're praying for me they may not be ready to rekindle the relationship but what a gift Even if, especially if, I don't deserve it. If a person who thinks of me as an enemy for whatever reason were to pray for me. What an act of love. I wanna share with you a story of a, a moment where prayer turned an enemy into a friend. About four or five years ago, Jennifer and I Uh, took some young adults from the church where we were on staff to a uh, nationwide missions convention for college students in Houston, Texas. We had our son Tucker with us at the time who was just a baby. And if you've ever traveled with a baby, you know that's extra fun. At the end of the the conference, we're uh, going back to the airport in Houston. For those of you who care about airports, this was Hobby Airport in Houston, not the international one. And we get there and the airport's a mess. It just feels chaotic, the lobby area is extra crowded, the lines are long, the people seem extra tense and worked up. Well, we came to find out that the conveyor system that moves the luggage around the airport was broken. And so all the check bags, the employees are having to move by hand and with trailers and as a result, it kind of backed everything up and everyone's upset. Uh, we had to get a little pass so that Tucker could be a lap child. And we are just wanting to get on the plane. And we found out that the airline is not holding any of the flights. They're just sending them out and they, with the decision that if you miss your plane, they'll work it out with you. Well, we had the baby, we had these young adults with us. We did not want to miss the plane. We get up to the security checkpoint and I could tell that if we waited in that line through the, the turnstile and the, uh, the stanchions, if we went through that maze, there is no way we were making the plane. Well, off to the side, there was an express lane. We did not qualify for the express lane. And there was a airport employee who was standing guard over access to the express lane. Now, with all the chaos, with all the people who were upset, all the people who were frustrated, I'm sure that many came by this poor lady who is, uh, has to guard the access to the express lane. And She's telling all of them why they can't go in this line. And so we were nothing new and we came up and said, we really need to, we're gonna miss our plane if we don't go through the express lane. could you please let us through? And she said, I'm sorry, you don't have access to the express lane. Uh, you need to wait in this lane there's nothing that i can do about it you can't go through the express lane so i said uh, jennifer why don't you bring tucker over here and uh, the young adults who are with us let's just gather around this airport employee and let's begin to pray for her i don't remember exactly what we prayed but it was probably something like this father we thank you we come to you in the name of jesus for this woman who you have given authorization to protect the express lane. Father, we don't know what challenges she has in her life right now, what burden she carries, but we know that you are a good God and that you are fully able to take care of whatever it is that she may be facing. Now, this lady, probably a sweet lady, I'm sure she's a Sunday school teacher in her church, But at that moment, if an enemy is someone who stands between you and your objective, she was at that moment our enemy. So we're praying, Father, give her your favor, give her your grace, Father, whatever. And she finally goes, just go through the express lane. Prayer turned my enemy into my friend. Now, of course, I don't mean to make light of any situation where someone for very good reason may have become an enemy in your life. Jesus says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The crowd then and maybe some of us today would say, yes, that's obvious, hate your enemy, hate those who hate you. But to be a follower of Christ is so often to do the opposite, to do the opposite of obvious. So if the obvious reaction to someone who thinks of you as an enemy is to think of them as an enemy right back, Jesus challenges us, encourages us. Be the opposite of obvious. Love. Love your enemy. And even pray for the worst kind of enemy, the one who would persecute you. May I invite you to close your eyes across the room today and have a personal moment of reflection with your Heavenly Father. I want to ask you to think about any relationship in your life where you or they or maybe both parties involved, all parties involved, would describe the tension as an enemy-type relationship. Enmity, hostility, hate, anger. And you're saying today, if it's going to continue this way, the fuel... the hostility is not going to come from my end. I can't choose for them, but when it comes to me, I'm not going to continue to inject hate, anger, hostility into the relationship. If that's a decision that you want to make today so I can pray for you, could you just lift up your hands so I know how to pray for you today? Thank you. I'll pray for you in just a moment. Go ahead and put your hands down. Let me ask you, are there any... uh, relationships or are there any people in your life who represent things that are opposed to you with where they stand would go against your morals your beliefs your convictions and they may not even know who you are but because of what they stand for you when you start to think about them your blood pressure goes up your heart rate goes up your muscles become tense you become angry and you'd say man that person that group it feels like my enemy And today you're challenged by the words of Jesus to do what the word of God says and to pray for those who are in authority, to pray for your enemy. If you want me to pray for you over this area today, lift up a hand so I can pray with you today. Many of us, many of us would say that's us. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today, challenged by the words of your son. When he said, pray for your enemy, Pray for those who would even persecute you, who would hate or kill you because you are my follower. Father, we believe that prayer is the cure to hostility today. Help us to be people that make the decision that if there's gonna be anger, if there's gonna be hate, it's not gonna come from our end. Father, we, we can identify with those physical triggers of what happens to us physically when we start to have those enemy feelings. May we be a people, may we be a church that when those moments happen, when we sense those things happening inside of us, instead of continuing to just settle into our anger and our hate, going into venting and complaining in those moments, would we we be a people who instead choose to do what Jesus said to pray for our enemies. That word persecution, we might say we see a version of persecution beginning to fester beginning to come to the surface in our own country. We also know that there are places around the world where persecution is at high level, where people risk their lives to be a follower of Christ, where people risk their lives to gather with other believers to worship the name of Jesus. So we pray protection over those who are persecuted today in these difficult places in our world. And we are challenged by the words of Jesus to also pray for those who are carrying out the persecution father to the one who is a persecutor today speak to them Through the power of the holy spirit give them dreams and visions of a loving savior give them dreams and visions of Jesus Christ and may they have the boldness to turn from persecution and turn towards salvation. Father, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts and our minds today, believing that we will be better people as we love our enemies and even pray for those who might persecute us. In Jesus' name.